Good evening, everyone. We are in the middle of learning about Birchos Kriyashma, and we are actually now up to Shema, the climax of this entire section of Tila. Before learning about uh, Shema and all its different parashios, I thought it would be worthwhile to discuss some introductory remarks about what the source of Shema is, its context in, in our Tila, and some other details related to the mitzvah of Kriyashma in general. The source that we actually have to recite Kriyashma is not explicitly clear in the Torah. The Torah says, you should speak them. And when reading, as we'll discuss, the actual context of this Pasuk, it's not clear if this is referring to the statements of Shema, um, or is it talking about Dibri Torah. However, the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah, Mitzvah, Mitzvah Ase Yud, explains that Kriyashma has been a Torah specifically because, and precisely because, it says in the Torah, and this is referring to Kriyashma, Kriyashma itself, in implicating that Kriyashma is an obligation in the Torah, um, requiring us to say it both day and night. The Torah doesn't really describe how much one has to say on a Torah level um, to be Yotze in the midst of Kriyashma. And this itself is a discussion amongst the Tanaim, and it reflects itself as well in the discussion of the Rishonim and Halacha in general. The Gemara Brachos Tafi Gimel explains that there's a discussion how much one is required to say Shema with Kavana. Rabbi Eliezer Atana rules that the requirement to say Shema B'Kavana goes until which is within the first, pa- first parasha of, of Kriyashma. Rabbi Kiva says, one has to say the entire parasha, the first parasha of Shema to be to the mitzvah. And then we have another opinion, Rabbi Meir, who says you have to just say Shema Yisrael Shema Kineshama That's what's required for Kavana. Um, these different opinions, while the discussion the, the discussions about Kavana, may reflect about what is the actual obligation for Kriyashma Minatara itself. The Ramban, in his comments on the Muhammad Hashem in Rosh Hashanah, says that we pass in the halacha is like Rabbi Meir, because Minatara, Mitzvah Srichos Kavana, and things that are things that are on a Torah obligation, one has to have a Kavana for. However, if it's only an obligation on a Darban level, that does not require Kavana. So since Rabbi Meir requires us to only have Kavana for Shema Yisrael, that implies that Minatara, the only obligation to say Shema, is really just the first Pasuk of, of Kriya Shema and nothing more. Uh, the Rabbin Yonah and his comments on, in the Gemara in Brachos, as well as Tosos on Brachos Yidal Mabes, suggest that it's not just the, the first Pasuk, but actually the first two parashos of Shema, which talk about the, the discussion of Vidibar Tabam, those two parashos are required on a Torah level. Um, Rashi um, has several different implications um, from the beginning of the Mesech and Tafbeis, in other places, and Tazayin, sounds to suggest, imply that the first parasha alone is an obligation in a Torah, um, it's potentially like the opinion of Rabbi Kiva quoted in the Mishnah, um, who requires Kavana on the first parasha of Shema. Aside from these three opinions, Tosos on Brachos Daf Beis and Aleph presents the Shita of Rabbi Natam, and he suggests that one is technically able to say Shema for the night after Plaga Mincha before Shkia. And Tosos asks, isn't that a touch of disaster? Because it's not yet the nighttime, and nevertheless, you're viewing it as if it's considered night for in terms of the mitzvah of Kriyashma. Tosos, Rabbi Akiva Eger on the Mishnayis, explains that Tosos assumes that even though um, this is a, little, a, a contradiction within itself, the touch of disaster, because you're assuming it's daytime because it's before Shkia, but really you're assuming it's nighttime for Kriyashma, that only would fit into the assumption 
that Kriyashma itself is not Minatora, but really Midrabanan in its entirety. For Midrabanans, you could be able to do a, a Tarjadisasri in certain contexts. And this opinion is really reflected in another comment of Tosus and Sotodaf on the Bezma Bez, who suggests that Krishna actually might be only Midrabanan and not a Torah obligation. And in fact, you find this opinion in the Gemara, in Brachos Daf Alpha and Aleph, where the, the Gemara says, Vidibartabam, as we mentioned earlier, is just a, is really in fact a vague statement, is in fact not referring to Kriyashma, but rather the Chiv of Talmud Torah. What comes out is that the obligation of Kriyashma in its entirety is not Minatora, but a there are an obligation for us to express uh, the ideas of Shema Yisrael um, on a daily basis. The f- fifth opinion found in the Rishonim is that of the Rambam. And the Rambam says that there are three parashas that one has to recite. And he, the Rambam seems to bunch them together, potentially implicating that there's the obligation of Minat Torah to say not just the first two parashas, which, are, which have the Pasuk of Vidibartavam, even the third parasha of Sitzis, and and the question that if, uh, on the Rambam really is that if you look at the Gemara and Dafid Bezim and Alpha and Brachos, it says that Chazal or Nimnu, they they selected that one should recite this third parasha to be Mikhaim as part of the mitzvah of Kriyashma, uh, which indicates that it's only really a, a drabanan obligation. And in fact, if you look at the, at the Prichadash and Simon Samach Zayin and Orachaim, he says Enachanami, the first two parashas are Minatara, the last parasha is only drabanan. However, Primagodim in his Psicha for Hichos Kriyashma suggests that for the Rambam, all three Pashios are obligatory Minatara. And the question is, how does that make sense if, it, if the Gemara says explicitly that Chazal appointed, appointed this, uh, this uh, Parsha and wasn't indic- indicative anywhere of the obligation being Minatara? And the explanation that many give, including Rosalvechik, is that. The mitzvah of Kriyashma is to be part mainly t- is a kriya of the Mikaba Omachoshamaim. And the third parasha, though not explicitly found in the Torah, does mention aspects which enhance one's ability to be Mikaba Omachoshamaim. The idea of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the idea of Zechiras Mitzvah those things enable one to more clearly and more properly accept upon himself the obligation of what Hashem wants from him. And that enhances the experience of Krishma, making that the third parish, even though it's not an obligation to recite on a Torah level, it enables a greater kiyam minat Torah of Kabbalah's of, Amachos Shemaim. Therefore, that's why it's included in the count of Krishma being minat Torah, including the third parish as well. And the discussion about what is obligated minat Torah for the midst of Krishma is reflected as well in the discussion of what is necessary or which parts of Kriyashma are necessary for one to have kavana for to be yotzei the mitzvah. The Mishnah in Brachos Tafikimul Amid Aleph suggests that one doesn't need require doesn't need kavana to be yotzei the mitzvah of Shema to be actually yotzei the mitzvah of, of Kriyashma. One can just read the lahagia without any kavana to be yotzei mitzvah per se, but just having kavana to read. Um, but nevertheless, as we mentioned earlier, the Gemara says there are certain parts of Kriyashma, which require specific Havana. Now, just to note as an aside, the Gra notes that even though B'dyeved, you don't have to have Kavana for the entire Kriyashma, and that's the conversation we're having now, L'charchila, one should have Kavana for the entire thing, because all that is is made to enhance one's ability to be Mikabal and 
having Kavana really enhances that experience. So the Rabban, who understands that Minatora, you only have to recite the first Pasuk of Shema, he understands that reflecting that obligation, one only needs to have Kavana for the first Pasuk of Shema because Mitzvah is Kavana, and that's a general rule applicable to all Mitzvahs, and the same is true for Kriya Shema as well. Since Minatora, the first Pasuk is, is obligatory, so that requires Kavana, a specific Kavana. The Ritva, however, understands that even if you were to assume mitzvahs ain't shichas kavana, that it, there's no obligation for, even when one fulfills a mitzvah min Torah, they don't need specific kavana to yobiyotzi a mitzvah. Perhaps the mitzvah of Kriyashma is so important that it has aspects of kabbalah shamayim, it would be necessary that one has specific kavana to biyotzi this mitzvah. And you find this as well, potentially, in the shita of the Ramam, in the Rambam, as you mentioned earlier, says at least according to at least according to all the other mefarshim, at least the Rambam minimally requires the first two parashas to be minatara and maybe even the third parasha. Um, but nevertheless, he says the only kavana that you really need for kriyashma is the first pasuk. And the question is, is again perplexing. Why is that the case? Following in the logic of the Ritva, and this is reflected as well in Rabbi Yonah's comments that. Shema Yisrael is such a pivotal and, and important Pasuk. If one doesn't have any Kavana, it's as if he's saying nothing and there's no added as, no, added or enhanced Kabbalah Samach Hashemayim that's being fulfilled in, that, in this context. And that's why it's necessary to have Kavana. Now, the idea of Kavana, while maybe limited in an active sense to the first Pasuk, there's still implications that there's an aspect of Kavana even for the entire first parak. The Gemara in Brachos Aleph has a discussion about a worker who's on the top of a tree. Does he have to go down to say Shema? And the Gemara has a discussion and concludes that for the first parak, you have to come down and be kavua in a set be in a set place to say Shema. But after that first parak, you can move around and be out to the mitzvah, even though you're on a precarious tree that might affect your kavana. And the Gemara suggests that this answer was given by Rabbah, who himself said earlier on Dafi Gilmol Mebez that the halacha is that we follow Rimeir who requires kavana only for the first Pasuk. And the question is how you resolve this difference. So Tosos on the spot says that when the Gemara says Parak Rishon, it really means Pasuk Rishon. You only need kavana for the first Pasuk but, uh, and, and the Gemara's context of Parak is Lav Davka. Rashi and the Balmor explain that the Gemara, in fact, is not really the opinion of Rava. Rava only requires Kavana for the first Pasuk. However, the Gemara's answer is a different Amor Rabbi Mari, and he answers that you really need Kavana for the first Parsha, uh, potentially suggesting that, like Rashi himself argues on Bezim and Aleph, that the first Parsha of Shema is Minatara, not just the first Pasuk. There's the third approach of the Gemara, who explains and that's the opinion of the Rif and the Ramam, who seem to suggest that even if Kavana is only required for the first Pasuk, there's a new din called Kvias, like having a set place to recite your Shema, and that is applicable for the entire parak, first parak of Shema. The Rabban seems to understand this as a din drabanan in order to enhance Kavana. However, the Rashba um, presents that it's actually founded from a Pasuk in Shema itself, these words should be on your heart, and the only way you can really have these things, these words internalized, is if you have it in, said in a 
place that is kavua. And similarly for the Rashba, this seems to suggest that this obligation is only found by Kriyashma and not by other mitzvos to enhance kavana. Potentially, maybe because, again, the idea of kavosah and is so important that we want to make sure that not just the first pasuk is is sebe kavana, we want the entire parak, the first parak of Shema, to be said in a way where it could be able to in, be internalized properly, and that is really limited to the mitzvah of Kriya Shema and not other halachos. It's important to realize while there are three parashas of Shema, and again, like we mentioned, maybe all are daraisa, some are daraisa, none are daraisa, there is a specific order that Chazal wanted us to recite these sukkim, these parashas in. And the Gemara gives really two explanations why there is an order. The first parasha is Shema, then the next parasha is Lahayim Shema, and the third parasha is Sitzis. Um, the Gemara's first answer is because you first have Kabbalah's Amach Shemaim, that's the first parasha. Then you have Kabbalah's Mitzos, and then you have Sitzis, which is really just a reminder of a Zahir of Mitzos, which is almost this like natural progression. First, you have to accept the Malchus of Hashem, then you commit to doing the Mitzos, then you have a reminder of, to do the Mitzos themselves. The Gemara gives another explanation um, in the sense that you have in Shema the discussion of Lumor, Lulamer, Uvelasos, learning, teaching, and doing. In the second part of Shema, you have, you have teaching and doing, but not learning yourself. And the third part doesn't discuss anything about learning, but only about doing. And therefore, that progression, seemingly a downward progression, uh, is the reason why Chazal have this order in that given structure. As an aside, the Sefer Habata, one of the Rishonim, explains that the emphasis of the last parsha being all about lassos is enhanced not just from the fact that we have tzitzis, but in the fact that we talk about, you see it's been trying, where we talk about and that itself is a motivating factor to recognize that Hashem is aware of our actions, and therefore we're going to commit ourselves more to doing the mitzvos. Um, and we'll discuss that when we get to that parsha in uh, the explanation going further. The time to rec- the timing of Kriya Shema in general is B'Shach B'chav Kumecha. Now this is seemingly a Gzir Sakasov. However, the Abu suggests that the reason why we have Shema when we wake up, when we, when we go to sleep, is to recognize that the idea of Yichar Hashem itself, whether right at the beginning of, of the daytime or right at the end of, end of the night, the beginning of the nighttime, at both times we recognize that Hashem is in control, and this really dispels the mistaken perception that there's almost like two deities, the God of the daytime and the God of the nighttime, when we say Shema both times, we're Miyach Hashem by saying that He's in charge of both. When reciting Kriya Shema, there are different minhagim that are associated with doing this mitzvah. The Shulchan Aruch in Simen Samach Alf Sifhei quotes a minute to place one's hands on their face when saying Kriya Shema, at least the first pasuk of Shema. And the reason for this is found is based off a of Gemara in Brachos Tafi Gimel Beis, which the Gemara says that Rebbe, when he would say Shema, he would actually cover his face to be Mikava Omacho Shemaim. And the and the Shacharach says the reason is because this allows one to focus better um, when doing when saying this this important pasuk, especially with the need of Kavana. There is a opinion found by the Tamim Umuhagim, who says that this is an idea of Mesir's Nefesh, that when one covers his eyes, it's as if one is a blind person, and the Gemara says blind, a blind person. As if one is, is considered as if one is not alive, and that is symbolic of the fact that we're given. A person is imagining that he's 
commit to Akash Baruch Hu, even to the extent that he's willing to give up his own life. Even though Shema itself is pretty, pretty much self-explanatory that it's three parashas in Shema, there are some other additions that we have developed to add within Shema. And it's important to discuss each one of those different additions and how they fit into the general mitzvah. The first thing is that before Shema is even recited, there is a discussion about saying the, the words Kel Melech Ne'aman. The source of saying Kel Melech Ne'aman in the Gemara is found in the Gemara in Shabbos, which says that when one says Amen, it's related to the word Kel Melech, the words Kel Melech Ne'aman, which the f- first letter of each word in that phrase spells Amen. And the Ravan explains that the reason why we want to say Kel Melech Ne'aman is because if you look at all the letters of Shema, you'll find there are 600 and 10 letters, and if you say Kel Melech Ne'aman, you add three more and you get to the 613 letters, symbolizing that you're, you're accepting upon yourself all of these mitzvos um, when you recite Kriya Shema. The Rebbein Yikar adds that if you look at Kriya Shema in terms of words, there are 248 words. If you include Kriya Shema, Baruch Shem Kavod, Malchuso, then Leolam Ved, as well as Kel Melech Ne'aman. Um, again, suggesting that you want to, when reciting Krishma, make this symbolic connection to that you're being accepting upon yourself all the mitzvahs, at least in this context, the mitzvahs assays, um, in, in, your, in, your, in your recitation of Krishma. Now, there's a discussion of, in, in the times of the Rishonim, specifically the Me'iri and Sefer Maginava, Simon Aleph, it has a discussion about whether or not this is considered a hafsik. As we mentioned earlier, that people have a discussion about whether or not one is allowed to say Amen after the bracha of Avarabba, is it considered a hafsik between the bracha and Kriya Shema itself? And the Miri argues that Kel Melech Naman is effectively the same thing as Amen. And because, in his opinion, saying Amen after the bracha of Avarabba is not a hafsik to the Shema itself because they're just reaffirming the truth that Hashem chose us. So the same should be true by saying Kel Melech Naman. It's not considered a problem uh, to, to, to say Kel Melech Naman. Dharma, however, in his comments in Archaim Sim and Sam Chalaf Sif Gimel, Sif Katan Gimel and Moshe, suggest that maybe be, when a person recites Biyachid, a Kriyashma, he shouldn't he should say Kamach Naman. However, if he's saying Bitsibor, he shouldn't say Kamach Naman. He can rely on the Hashem Lakecham Emes that the Chazan repeats at the end of Shema to fulfill fill in to his uh, requirement of saying two hundred and forty eight letters in in Kriyashma itself. Another aspect of Shema, which is seemingly in addition to the actual mitzvah of Kriya Shema, is the idea of saying Baruch Shem and then adding It's not in the text of the Torah, but nevertheless we say it as part of the mitzvah of Kriya Shema. The source for the saying it in general is found in the Gemara, Psachim Dathnudvav. The Gemara says that there was a minog in certain cities that they were Korchan al Shema. And the Gemara says in the name of Rabbi Huda that what they would do is they would say Shema. And, but they wouldn't say Baruch Shem. And the Gemara comments that really we should be saying it because there was a story that Yaakov Vino, at the end of his days, wanted to reveal the, Geul, the, the, the time of the Mashiach, and he, his Shechino was subsequently removed. And he was wondering, how is that possible? Must be, there must be a psalm for my kids. And the children respond, don't worry. Shema Yisrael, Shem Hashem Echad. They recognize that. We're all t- we all have, we're all believe Echad. We recognize the Kash Baruch Hu. And Yaakov then responds, Baruch Shem. 
So the Gemara says, we know that Yaakov Vinu said, that was our, Yaakov Vinu said, Baruch Shem, that's, that's the tradition. But Moshe didn't write it in the, in, the, in the Sefer Torah, so how can we say it? So the Gemara says, no, we say it we say it quietly. Um, and, and that's the source for saying Kriyashma um, with Baruch Shem. There's a discussion about what is the nature of Baruch Shem in, in the context of Kriyashma. Is it just a general praise of Akash Baruch Hu? Or is it more intri- intricately connected to the mitzvah of Kriyashma in general? For one source, the Magen Avram and Sim Samachalaf Seth Katan has a discussion if that if one forgets to say Baruch Shem, does he have to go back and recite it? And the Magen Avram himself quotes the opinion of the Levush, who thinks that one does have to re- repeat Kriyashma, implying that at least for the Levush's opinion, Baruch Shem is an integral part of the idea of Kriyashma. Similarly, if one looks at the comments of the Ramach, reshown on the on the Divrei Harambam in Hilchos Kriyashma Perak Aleph he implies that while in general, in terms of Hilchos Kriyashma, one is able to do be mafsik and and interrupt his Kriyashma for certain uh, responses, but when one says Baruch Shem, he can't be mafsik even liyira, even if it's out of certain awe of 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 the individual. The same way that one can't respond when one's davening. Which implies that there's this integral and in, in, in intrinsic connection between Shema Yisrael and Baruch Shem, and we'll discuss this this connection later on. But on a on a on a basic point, Rav Shechter would explain to us that because Shema requires a high level of kavana, and specifically according to the Gra in the beginning of Orachayim, has a, who explains that there's certain Shemos of Hashem that have to have a specific kavana that are unique to Kriya Shema. So we have to recite Baruch Shem to indicate to ourselves and to the, and to remind ourselves and to guess, concretize for ourselves that we're having the proper kavana of Shema. In many ways, it seems to be that Shema Yisrael and Baruch Shem go hand in hand. Baruch Shem being like the declaration that there is a kiyam, there is a solidified kavanah going on. This may have other ramifications in halacha as well. For example, does one have to say? Uh, Baruch Shem when saying the Shema Yisrael Hashem Elkein Hashem Achad when he's reciting Karbanus in the beginning of davening, um, as well as if one is exhausted, is, is he's sleeping, do we have to wake him up to say not just Shema but also Baruch Shem? Maybe the requirements in Baruch Shem in those contexts may indicate that there is a requirement that the Baruch Shem is an integral part of the the Kiim Hamitzvah of Kabbalas on Shemaim as well. We'll see. That in the this explanation more um, developed as we go through the mefarshim um, in the inside text. The last edition that we find in Kriyashma is the end of is found at the end of Kriyashma where we say Hashem Elkechem Emes. Now in the Torah we only find the pasuk ending of Ani Hashem Elkechem. The word Emes that's added on is not really found in any pasuk. It's re, it's it's connected to a pasuk that's in your found. In Nach, where we say Vahashem Elkechem Emes, but the words Hashem Elkechem Emes are not really found in 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 the Torah. Nevertheless, there seems to be a great importance of saying this phrase, and and more importantly, saying this phrase without any interruptions. The Rabbah Menachos Kriyashma Perak Beis Halachizan explains that while, like mentioned previously, in terms of Kriyashma, there's certain times you could be mafsek. When, when one says Hashem Elkechem and then Emes, we don't view that as the end of Kriyashma and then Emes starting off with a new bracha of Emes V'yatsev. 
rather it's viewed as one continuum, and it's as if as one is in, interrupting the which has certain more stringent requirements than um, just saying a hafsaka or having hafsaka between two pragim. And moreover, moreover, if one looks at the Ramach's comments on that Rambam, it sounds to be some indication that this pasuk of Hashem Lachem is parallel to the saying of the first pasuk of Kriyashma, which is an Iker Gadol. While it's not exactly clear what he means, uh, my Rebbe Rav Lachman would explain to us that for the Baliatosos, the importance of this pasuk is not just the fact that it, there is a declaration of Hashem's uh, our acceptance of a Kashbarhu as our God, but because it's not a Pasuk found in all of Tanakh, but rather we're making our own Pasuk, there's a symbolism that, that, that of, a, of creating our own personalized Kabbalah and because we are expressing our own genuine expression of Kabbalah it would be very inappropriate to be Mavsik the same way that it would be very inappropriate to be Mavsik when one is saying the first Pasuk of Shema, where one is declaring Kabbalah when actually reciting Kriya Shema, the tour in Arachayim Simit Samach Aleph explains that the Kriya has to be Biyira Ubi Kavana. And he explains further in the name of Rav Amagon, while Kashbrahu in the Torah seems to be makal by not requiring us to do an Atifa when saying Kriya Shema, or, and we could even say it when we're walking on the way. But Lachal Apachos Hashem says we still need to have it set. We as Bnei Yisrael have to say Kriya Shema Be'imu Biyira. Because we recognize that it's from Akash Barucho in the same way that if a king were to have an edict declared amongst the people, people will take it very seriously. So we too, when we listen to the edict, when we recite the edict of Kriyashma, which is Hashem's declaration of Malchus, we should say with a certain level of seriousness and trepidation. The Mishtabruah there in Sifkat and Gimel adds that the Ema Nira is not just awe of the fact that Hashem gave it to us, but the recognition of the extent of this declaration, that because the Torah says, Bechol Nafshacha, even if Hashem, even if one's life is on the line, one has to give up his life. Akedat Hashem. So this rec- this recognition is itself a a rec- a expression of a certain level of awe and fear of how much one must be willing to give up in the name of Yicha Hashem, and this is all part of the expression of Kabbalas Amach Shemay. When reciting Kriya Shema as well, one should say say the pasuk the pasukim slowly. The Prisha adds that this is found specifically in the Ramam's Gon's mushal of calling it an edict, that when one says an edict, one has to recite it carefully with recognition of the seriousness of what is being said. The Yosef quotes uh, a quotation of Rabino HaGadol Hamari, who says that the reason why one has to say this is because when one says Kriyash Masoli, it actually cools the fires of Gehenim. And while it's not clear what this actually means, the idea that Beis Yosef explains for this for this Mimra is that when one calms himself down and cools in his language the Choma TV to be didactic and read the Kriyashma properly, then it's Mida Keregamida will calm the Chom of Gehenim from affecting his, his from affecting him later and after afterlife. But on a simple level, the idea is that we're emphasizing the need to say the words carefully and be able to have kavana when we are saying them. The Shacharach in Simen Samach notes that 
Aside from saying the Pesachim Soli, we have to have an attitude of Asher Luchim Savcha Hayom. We have to view as if these statements are said fresh and new, and not as if they're old. Um, and the Kaf is a nice idea where he explains that a person's perception should be, at least in this context, as if what the person's world is only now, today, in the present. And the next day is a new world, Lagamre. And our responsibility is to focus on what Hashem is commanding us today to do and not think about the past or the present, past or the future, and recognize what Hashem is telling us to do is relevant today and it's not an old, an old edict. And this really concludes the background to the concept of Shema. But one last thing that we would like to discuss is why is Shema being said now? We discussed the importance of saying Shema now because it's an expression of Kabbalah's Amalcha Shemaim. But where does it fit in exactly in the array, in the progression of Tefillah in general? And there's several connections to saying Shema, Shema at this point. One is the idea of Smicha Skulul Tefillah. We'll discuss this idea further. But the last parasha of Shema discusses Gula, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, and there's an idea to connect Gula's Mitzrayim to Shemona Esrei. However, there's a more deeper connection between Shema and Shemona Esrei in general, not just the third parasha, and that's found really in the Gemara in Brachos, Dafi, Yidal, and Mebez. Rabbi Yochanan says a comment of Harosi Shikaba Lav Omach Hoshmaim Shleim, if one wants to accept upon himself a, the complete version of Kabbalah's Amalach HaShemayim, so you finally should go to the bathroom and clean himself up on a, in his body, in a bodily sense, yid fil yadav, wash his hands, yiach tefillin, put on tefillin, v'yikr kishma v'yispalo, then say shema, and then daven, zui machal shlema. This is considered Kabbalah's Amalach HaShemayim. It seems to be that part of v'mikabah Amalach HaShemayim is not just saying shema, but it's also the subsequent recitation of Shemona Esrei and Davening. And for this context, it seems to be potentially that in order to have the Kabbalah's Amalcha of Davening, you first need to have the Kabbalah's Amalcha of Krishma to prepare yourself for that experience during, during Tefillah. And in fact, as we mentioned before, the Ravim ben Arabam found in his Tshuva, Spirkat Avram, Simen Lamadal, notes that the Kabbalah that one has for Krishma is the same exact kavanah one has for tefillah. Both are expressions of kabbalas amalcha shemaim, and perhaps that is one of the reasons why we say kriyashma now, because it's the preparation, the, the immediate preparation, to the more fuller connection and acceptance of Hashem's malchus when we say tefillah. Um, and with that, we'll continue next time with the first parak of kriyashma.